So this week, as we continue our series on the community, on becoming the community that God calls us to be, uh, we're going to pick up another one of our one of another one another uh, texts. You know, our goal has been to start this year that we would be challenged by God's word and that we would be empowered by God's spirit to pursue these things for God's glory. That we would pursue these things in our lives and in our church and become the kind of community of believers, the kind of people that God has called us to be. Before we get into today's text, I do have a video that I would like for us to watch before we get started. If I'm honest, I never really liked the church. I didn't even really like Christians that much. I used to think of it like a package deal. Like, you get Jesus, and so you get the church and Christians thrown. It's just part of the package. And uh, there are some bits you like Jesus, some bits you don't like so much. It's like the church and Christians um, used to find that a bit annoying. But I'd turn up the church and go through it. But I didn't really enjoy going to church. And then one day, uh, I was at the back of our church in East London, and someone said to me, oh, we need help to run the coffee team and I was like I was like working like 70 80 hour week I'm like what and they were like yeah we, Steve we really need your help running the coffee team on a Sunday and I was like I'm a barrister I'm not a barista like I've got a job I don't need another job to run a coffee team but I just you know sometimes you, you just can't even think of what to say so I was like okay I'll do it I'll do it okay and and I instantly thought why did I do that so I turn up next week like you know trying to get the cups and everything get the coffee right as I handed these cups to people something really changed in me i found myself as i handed coffee to these people growing in love for them i was like these people are amazing like this is this extraordinarily diverse community it's been gathered from across the area probably not another place that looks as diverse and integrated as this this is a miracle and then even people i found a little bit more frustrating and complicated as i handed them their coffee i kind of grew in love for them and i kind of basically fell in love with the church and then I kind of went back to the person who'd asked me to do it I said we need a new coffee machine we need better beans we need better mugs like we come on these are amazing people I want this to be the best coffee that they get you know they, they're coming to church on a Sunday morning I got more and more passionate I started to build a team to serve coffee on a Sunday morning I sometimes say making coffee changed my life because I fell in love with the church of Jesus Christ I didn't realize why it was special I didn't realize why it mattered and as I made coffee for people, I suddenly realized, oh, the church is like the bride of Jesus Christ. It's like the thing he gave himself for. Like the church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. There's no plan B. And God is going to build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So like God is putting all his eggs in the church basket. And I realized over those few weeks there's a beautiful thing here yes it messes up yes it makes mistakes you'll never find a perfect church but it's a beautiful thing and I thought that's what I want to spend my life building I loved that story when I first saw it a few weeks back uh, the pastor's name is Stephen Foster. Uh, was working as an attorney. He was a lawyer, 
Um, and I love the change that took place in his life. Uh, I know his accent was a little thick, his English accent, but uh, I love the change that took place. It, it, reluctance at first when he was asked to serve in a very simple way. Like, would you help run making coffee for the church? And just thinking, seriously, this is what you want me to spend my time doing. And then in the process, starting to grow in love for the people of his church. And then the Lord using that to completely change how he sees the church, his local church, and how he sees the church global, and him saying, this is what I want to give my life for, is serving the church, building up the church, and then he eventually goes on to become a pastor. I love that story, and I wanted to share it because it does pick up on one of the one another's, the one that we're going to be looking at today, and we're going to spend some time looking at the call to serve one another. So turn with me to 1 Peter 4. The sermon is titled, Becoming a Church that Serves One Another. Becoming a Church that Serves One Another. We're going to look at 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as the one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, and we do confess it as true again as we do each week. And we ask that you help us believe it. Uh, and help us actually live out what it is that you uh, are calling us to. By the power of your Spirit, it's in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen. So as we consider the call to serve one another, uh, there are three things from 1 Peter 4 that I want us to, to see that I think help us a little bit in this. Uh, help kind of clarify a little bit of what that means for a Christian to serve one another. The first is this, serving one another is the purpose of our spiritual gifts. Serving one another is the purpose of our spiritual gifts. Let's look at verse 10 again. Just as each one has received a gift... Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Three things from this verse uh, that are important for us to see. The first is this. Everyone has received a spiritual gift. Every believer in Jesus Christ has received a spiritual gift. There is not... 
someone that's too young who's trusted in Christ, who doesn't have spiritual gifts that the Spirit is giving them to, to use. Uh, there's not someone who's too old. There's not someone that's too weak. Everyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ, everyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and received the Holy Spirit through that, has a spiritual gift. Now, you may be here and think, but I don't, I don't quite know what that is. And that's something we should consider and, and, and learn about. But Scripture is clear, and it's not just here in First Peter, but in other places too, that God has given all believers a spiritual gift. So verse 10 says, Just as each one has received a gift. So it's a statement of fact. Before he gets into the instruction about the use of that gift, it's clear everyone has a gift. And since everyone has a gift, he's now going to give instructions on this is what you are to do with that gift. And so the second thing here from verse 10 is the purpose of those gifts. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. You're to use the gifts that the Lord has given you for others, to benefit others, to serve the church. That's the reason that these gifts have been given. They're not for us to build our own platform. They're not for us to think of how we might be able to use that to to kind of make an extra buck. We're to use our spiritual gifts for others, in service to others. That's the reason for them. And then the third thing that we see here from verse 10 is if we will do that, if we will use our gifts to serve others, then we will be a good steward of what the Lord has given us. So the gifts are from the Lord. It's not something that you have because you're good enough, smart enough, uh, creative enough. The gift is from the Lord. And if the Lord has given you this gift and has said, serve others with this gift, then if we will be obedient to that, we will be a good steward of what the Lord has called us to, of what the Lord has gifted us with. A steward or a manager. So if you want to manage well, steward well what God has given you, you do that by serving others. Paul affirms this about our spiritual gifts. He writes to the Corinthians in his section on spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, But the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Not for you, but for the common good. For the good of the others in the church. That's why we have our spiritual gifts. Serving one another is the purpose of of those gifts. And so church, I want to encourage us all to keep learning what those gifts are. So if you're here and you're thinking, "Well, I don't quite know what that is." 
let's keep learning and learning areas that we're passionate, learning areas that, uh, that we can serve and things that we uh, grow in love for our people as we do them. And then as we learn what our gifts are, remember, this was from the Lord for the benefit of others. Let's remember, this was given to me for the benefit of my church for the good of my brothers and sisters, and then let's use our gifts in this way. Let's use our gifts to serve one another. And that can look like a lot of different things. Sometimes we get stuck thinking about spiritual gifts and think of it just in terms of ministry leaders or the pastor or uh, you know the teachers. And those are important ways to serve people in your church, but they're not the only ways. There's preparing meals. They're sitting with people in their griefs and heartaches. There's lots of ways that you can care for and serve your brothers and sisters here at this church and in the church global. And so let's learn our gifts. Let's use our gifts to serve others. Okay. The second thing from 1 Peter 4 is this. Serving one another should give glory to God. Serving one another should give glory to God. So we aren't supposed to just do a good thing for other people. There's lots of people who have not trusted in Christ who do good things for other people. But Christians are supposed to serve in a way that God gets the glory. And it's a temptation for us to miss this. And so I think there's a few things from verse 11 that help us think through giving glory to God as we serve with our gifts. So verse 11, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves... Let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified. And I'm going to stop there. We're going to come back to the rest of this verse with the next point. So if you speak, speak the God's words. If you serve, serve by the power that God provides or that God supplies to you. Peter gives kind of two categories, two broad categories of Spiritual gifts here. There are other places uh, in First Corinthians and in Romans and Ephesians that talk more uh, specifically about spiritual gifts. Peter just kind of gives two broad categories that cover all of those: speaking gifts and serving gifts. And both of those are actually intended to serve others. So the speaking gifts. He says, anyone who speaks should speak the words of God. Not to to speak their own words. Not to try to show that they are really creative or they are really wise. They're supposed to speak as they're speaking the word of God. This is what God has to say to us. This is what God's word instructs us. So, these words are to serve others by speaking to them the truth from God. 
And the temptation, of course, is to speak in a way that people think, wow, that speaker's really, really gifted. Wow, that speaker is really smart. I never could have figured that out on my own. Uh, But if someone, if you leave a class or leave a sermon and you're thinking of the speaker and how gifted they are, or how funny or how clever they are, you've missed it. And they've misled you, likely, because it's not to be pointed at the speaker, it's to point to God's words. That's how we use them for God's glory, as we give God's words. The second, the serving gifts. And that when it uses the word serving gifts, I mentioned both of these are ways to serve each other. Speaking and serving. The serving gifts, it's talking with action, doing something for one another, taking action to serve another person. So the serving gifts says you don't do it in your own power. You do it in the power that God provides. I think that provides us a little bit of a challenge of the things that we're willing to step out and do for our brothers and sisters. Because there's a lot of things that I may think, I just don't know if I can do that. I just don't know if I have the strength to do that. I just don't know if I have the capacity for that right now. And this is saying, when you serve Don't serve with the ability that you have and the power that you have. Serve in a way that, God, this is, this is from you. I need you to empower me to do this. And if we will serve that way in the power of God that the Holy Spirit provides us, we will give glory to God. So we're tempted to think of our spiritual gifts and use our spiritual gifts for our own glory. And we're tempted to do them in our own power. But when we do that, we get we are the ones that it it, the focus becomes about us. And the instruction from first Peter is we want to point people to God. We want to rely on God. We're going to speak His words and we're going to serve with His power. And by doing that, church, we honor God. We point people to God. In His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the way we live and how we serve, that the good works that we do, and that uh, as children of God, we can then be used to give God glory. So in Matthew 5 and verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So if we're serving in a way that honors God, people will see the things that we do and they'll be used to point people to God. In Corinthians, Paul kind of helps us fight the pride that can come of us thinking uh, that this is something that I'm doing, is something that I've offered to the individuals. And so in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, he asks, For who makes you so superior? What did you have that you didn't receive? I'm going to stop there with that question. What do you have that you didn't receive, receive it from the Lord. And the implication from that verse and the context of that verse is absolutely nothing. 
The answer is, there is nothing that we have, any one of us, that didn't come from the Lord. And so, to help us fight pride, and to help us not make it about us when we're serving one another, so that someone may think, oh wow, he's such a nice guy. Or wow, she's such a a, a kind person. Paul says, remember this. Everything that you have is from the Lord. And so when we serve one another, we should be doing so to point people to God and God's goodness and God's faithfulness. That's how we can use our gifts for His glory. So church, as we serve others, let's be mindful of how easy it can be to make it about us. Because it really can be about us. And so as we serve others, maybe before doing anything, let's pray. God, God, I want you to get the glory in this. I want this to be an opportunity for me to point people to your goodness, your faithfulness. Let's pray for those things. And as we do them, let's be sure to share with one another that this is God's work. This is what God is doing. This is the kindness of God to his people. And in that, we can give him the credit and him the glory. The third thing from 1 Peter 4, serving one another follows the example of our Savior, Serving one another follows the example of our Savior. Now, before we get to 1 Peter 4 and verse 11 again, I want to refresh our memory of Jesus' final night. On the final night with his disciples, John's Gospel says they were sitting around the table having a meal. And John 13 tells us that Jesus knew that God had given him everything. Jesus knew that God had given him everything. He knew that he had come from God, and he knew that he was going back to God. So those three things of what Christ knew in this moment, on his final night before he's going to be put on trial, shamefully treated, and then crucified and killed, he knows... That he has been given everything. It all is his. And he's come from God and he's going back to God. And what he does is shocking. It's certainly shocking in that culture. Luke's account tells us this is one of the times. There were others, apparently as disciples, sometimes were a little thick-headed. This was one of the times that Jesus' disciples were arguing about who's the greatest. Who is the greatest here? And in that, our Savior gets up from the table, takes off his outer garment, pours a basin of water, wraps a towel around his body, and washes his disciples' feet. A tremendous act of love. But it was the role of a servant 
to wash people's feet. A slave would be who you would task with washing someone's feet. It was a disgusting task. And the Savior of the world, who had been given everything, who had come from God and who was going back to God, and who was about to endure the worst treatment, served his disciples by washing their feet. And in that text, after this was done, we read these words. John 13, verse 12, When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done for you. Now there are individuals, uh, there there are denominations and, and religious groups who take that as a literal command to wash each other's feet. I think it's much broader than that. And washing feet of your brother and sister in Christ as a, as a demonstration of service, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. We had a service last Easter time where we did that here. And it's a wonderful thing to do and practice to do, but I think it's much broader than that. Jesus Christ was willing to place himself as a servant to his disciples. And he says... I want you to do the same. I've done this as an example to you so that you will do the same, so that you will serve one another. You'll put yourself below them as they're arguing about who's the greatest. He gives them the example to follow. Stop fighting about who's the greatest and put others before you. Serve them He says, I've given you that example so that you will follow. And that takes us back to 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. So I read the first part already. I'll still read it again. If anyone speaks, let it be as the one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ In everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So how is God glorified through Jesus when we serve one another? Why is he not glorified through me when when I serve one another? Or you, when you serve one another, will remember who we are. We are the people that Jesus has redeemed. We are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. And we are the body. Each one has a part. We are a part of the whole. And so when we follow the example, the perfect and beautiful example of our Savior, and when we follow this command to to put ourselves below others in order to serve them, for their good, for their benefit, 
then God is glorified through Jesus because Jesus is the one that's accomplishing all of this. It's because of Him that this is taking place. And then the doxology that is there is pointed to Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so church, when we live this way, when we follow the example of our Savior, God gets the the glory through His Son. Paul encouraged the Philippians to live and serve as Christ has served. Philippians 2, 4, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. We'll stop there. Paul says, so God's word to us through Paul is this, would you consider others more important than yourself? Would you consider others' interests rather than just your own interest? Would you Live with this body of believers? Would you live with the church in the way that Jesus modeled for us? And that beautiful passage reminding us that Christ was in the form of God, equal, right? God the Son lived with the Father and the Spirit eternally, the divine Son of God didn't consider that equality with God as something that he should just hold on to and and use for his own benefit. But instead, he took the form of a servant and became a man and served us. Paul says, this is how we're to live. This is how we're to love. This is how you serve one another. It's following the example of, of Jesus Christ. And this passage from Peter is saying, when we live that way, then God gets the glory through our Savior, the one who's made it possible. That's how we're to live. And so church, as we serve others, one, let's always remember, because it's easy when you get in the, the thick of it, when you feel like, well, it seems like I'm always the one that's stepping up. It seems like I'm always the one that's doing this. It's easy to start to feel a little bit bitter. And we start to grumble a little bit. And so, church, when we serve others, let's first always remind ourselves, this is what my Savior did for me. This is what Jesus did for me. He gave up His life for me. And then let's remind others of that as we're serving them. This is, this is what Jesus did for us. This is how He lived His life. That's why I'm doing this. And if we do that, we will 
bring glory to God through Jesus. So church, when Jesus took off that outer garment, so that story back in John of him washing his disciples' feet, when he took off that outer garment and washed their feet, that wasn't his first act of service to his disciples. His actual whole life, from conception until his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' whole life was an act of service. Serving you and me. And God's Word repeats this call for us in several places. We've looked at First Peter, but there are other places where we're instructed to serve one another this way. And today's text has helped show us how to do that. And I think one of the beautiful things to remember and hold on to is God empowers us to do this. This isn't something you have to just be, be good enough, strong enough on your own. The Spirit of God is working to make us this kind of people. And so I want us to remember that video of Stephen Foster. How a simple act of serving led to him passionately caring for his church and, and growing to say, I want to give my whole life for this, to serve these people for God's glory. Serving others. And so as we've examined this call from God's word to serve one another, let's always remember that the gifts we have been given are to be used in service to one another. That's why the Lord gave us the gifts, is so that we will serve others. And let us serve our gifts, with our gifts, as we serve others for God's glory, not ours. And let's do that as we follow the perfect example of our Savior. And so since He has served us, since He has commanded us to do the same, let us become a church that serves one another by His Holy Spirit's power and for His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Jesus, thank You for the example that You've given. God, keep shaping us We want to be used for your glory. Help us continue to understand the gifts that we've been given. Help us continue to grow into a church that uses them always for your glory in service of other people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.